Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Um, Hello, everyone. (laughs) My name is Sarah and I'm the kids pastor here. And it's my privilege to bring to you today part four of our series of From Little Things. And I don't know about you, but I have been loving this series. I've been loving that every week the guys have been bringing really practical advice of of how to be more like Jesus and how to grow in our relationship uh, with God. And it's just been so great. And I hope you guys have been uh, watching online as well and that and seeing in our app. We now have sermon notes available for each of those sermons. so You can go in and really, really uh, mull over the scriptures during the week. So today I have called my message directionally challenged, which is a phrase that I use to describe myself. I am directionally challenged. And what I mean by that is that I have zero sense of direction. That was my (laughs) mum. My mum knows this to be very true. She constantly asks me, do you know where you are right now? And the answer is always no. I mean, right now I know I'm at church. I know I'm in Newport. (laughs) But, uh, you know, if I'm in the car or if I'm walking out somewhere, there's a high chance I have no idea where I am. I have zero spatial awareness skills. Uh, I don't know how to get from point A to point B. Like, I don't understand how people can just, like, know that I need to get to this place and then figure out a way to get there. I don't have that skill at all. Like, I'm, I'm really bad. And I tell people this, and they go, yeah, yeah, surely you're just exaggerating. And then they get in the car with me when I'm driving, and they go, oh, you really weren't exaggerating. It's like, yeah, no, I know. I wouldn't lie about this. I'm really bad. And I feel like sometimes, metaphorically, our lives can be like that, where we have absolutely no idea where we are. Absolutely. We can see that, like, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. That's my goal. But I have no idea how to get there. Sometimes our lives... In our lives, we can feel directionally challenged in that, what do I do now? Where do I go? How do I get to this place I want to be? Or where even is the place that I want to end up? And I I look at a guy from the Bible called Peter. And I see this guy, Peter, and I think think he was a little bit of the same, directionally challenged. Because if you see Peter, he was a fisherman. This is a screenshot from The Chosen, which is a great TV series all about uh, the disciples uh, that Jesus chose. Um, and this is Peter or Simon. And, and, and Simon or Peter, he was a fisherman, which meant that he actually had a pretty good life. In Galilee, the region he was living in, in Capernaum, if you were a fisherman there, you actually had a pretty good life. You were more rich than most people in the area. You weren't the richest of the rich, but you were pretty well off because the fish, there were so many fish in the Sea of Galilee and they were, you know, abundant and they would go and they'd work together and and found all this fish and then sell it. And so he had a pretty good life. And just like every other Jewish person at the time was waiting for the Messiah to come. And then the Messiah came and that was Jesus. And Jesus came and he chose Peter. He said, Peter, come and follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men or fisher of people, not just a fish. And so Peter leaves leaves everything he has and goes and becomes a disciple of Jesus. And for the next three years, follows Jesus wherever he goes. Like he's literally walking with Jesus, spending every day with Jesus. Peter had a wife, he left his wife, and just to follow Jesus, because he's like, this is such an honour. So uh, so Peter, for three years, is following Jesus wherever he went, is privy to all these these messages and teachings that that Jesus teaches and preaches to people. He, He sees countless miracles. He hears Jesus talking about so many things. And yet, Peter did some really great things as a disciple, but he did some things that 
show that he was a little bit directionally challenged. See, Peter, before Jesus died, I I was originally going to share with you a whole bunch of things that he did, but for the sake of time, I'm only going to share two things. (laughs) Peter, before Jesus died, loved Jesus, but sometimes kind of just missed his actions didn't follow up with his words. And we can read in Matthew chapter 26 that Jesus told the disciples, this is, this is right before Jesus is about to be arrested and, and led away to be killed and crucified on the cross. And Jesus told the disciples, tonight all of you will desert me. And Peter hears this and he's like, Peter declared, Lord, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Peter's like, what are you talking about, God? I love you. There's no way I'm deserting you. And then Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know. You will deny, sorry, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. So you can see there that Peter has this this passion to want to follow Jesus. And he's like, Jesus, there is no way on earth I will ever deny that I know you. I will die with you. I will do whatever it takes to follow you. There is no way I'm denying you. Fast forward. Jesus gets arrested and Peter follows after Jesus gets arrested. And we read in Luke chapter 22. So they arrested Jesus and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. So far, keeping true to his word, I'm going to keep following you. While he was following Jesus, a servant girl noticed him. This man was one of Jesus' followers, she she tells everyone. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. What? Just before, he was like, Jesus, I will never deny you. I will die for you. Oh, Jesus, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. After a while, somebody else looked at him and said, you must be one of them, one of the disciples. And Peter said, no, man, I'm not. No, I'm not. You got me confused with somebody else. Not me. I'm not. No. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Three times, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus, denied that he even had a a relationship or a connection with Jesus, completely denied that he had anything to do with Jesus. This guy that had previously just said, Jesus, I will die for you. His actions didn't match up with what his words were. And immediately after he denied him for the third time, while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And so Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly, because he realised he did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. He denied that he even knew Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. But then something happened. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. And he came and he, he spoke to the disciples after he died and was resurrected. He came and he spoke to the disciples. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 24. Jesus says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here and in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. 
So Jesus told the disciples, one of the last things he says before he's ascended to heaven, he says, stay here until you receive the Holy Spirit. Which we can kind of get from that, that it's really important to have the Holy Spirit before we go out and do what God wants us to do. We then read later, so Peter does exactly what Jesus says, they stay in the city. And in Acts chapter 2, we read on the day of Pentecost, which is a Jewish festival that happens 50 days or seven weeks after Passover. So Jesus died on Passover and seven weeks later, all the believers are meeting together in one place on the day of Pentecost for this festival. And while they were meeting together, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So what Jesus said would happen, happened. The Holy Spirit came. And this was the first time that the Holy Spirit had come en masse to a group of people. It wasn't as though the Holy Spirit kind of just did his own thing until this moment. No, in the Old Testament, we read countless times where the Holy Spirit came to one individual or a group of individuals for a specific purpose at a specific time. But this was the first time where the Holy Spirit came for everyone. And since then, nothing has changed. The Holy Spirit is available to all of us. So the Holy Spirit came and all these people had fire on their heads and, and, and they were speaking in other languages. You know, the crowd on the outside, because remember, there's a festival going on. They heard this mighty rushing windstorm and so they rushed to the house to be like, what is going on? And they see all of these people speaking in these languages. They see these Galileans speaking languages from countries and towns far away from Galilee that these Galileans, there's no way they would have been able to speak these languages. But there they were, speaking languages from other places because the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And these people, they're watching this, and like, what is going on? And they go, are these people drunk? Like, what is happening? And then Peter's like, no, we're not drunk. It's way too early for that. And so Peter then gets up and he preaches this message. And for the sake of time, I, I'm not going to read that out. So I encourage you, go and read Acts chapter 2. Because then Peter, he stands up and he preaches the first ever gospel message, really, after Jesus died. He preaches and he tells everyone about who Jesus the Messiah is. And after he preaches this really great message, it said, we read, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles' brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent just means turn away from sin and turn towards God. So repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. We've been called by the Lord our God. This verse is talking about us. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Let's just put this into perspective. Peter, before the Holy Spirit, oh, no, I don't know Jesus, three times. Aren't you that disciple? No, no, not me. I don't know Jesus. You've got me confused with somebody else. Three times. Denied that he even knew Jesus. But then Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit and then he stands up and preaches to a crowd of thousands and says, guys, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus died for your sins. He, he is amazing and incredible. He preached this message and 3,000 people were so touched by this message that they were immediately baptised on that very day. 
the church grew in 3,000 people in one day. The Holy Spirit makes a pretty big difference in our lives, right? In later on in Acts, we read this about Peter in Acts chapter 5. The apostles, which, of which Peter was one, left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. See, Peter and the apostles, they were preaching about Jesus so much it was getting them in trouble. Peter countless times went into prison and, and, and got in all sorts of trouble and was getting in front of the high council to be like, what are you doing, guys? And so they left the high council because, and they were happy that Jesus accounted them worthy enough to, be, <laughs> to suffer disgrace in his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. Peter, every day, not just in the temple, but also from house to house, everywhere he went, he went, he was teaching and preaching the message that Jesus is the Messiah. This guy who only a few days earlier denied he even knew Jesus. Acts chapter 4 says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. Peter and John were fishermen. They didn't go to Bible school they followed Jesus for three years. But then once they had the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave them this boldness to preach and teach God's message, to preach and teach all about how Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't have special training. They had the Holy Spirit. We read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, really, really famous verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When we get the Holy Spirit, we have power, and we can see that in Peter's life. He was too afraid to even admit he knew Jesus and then all of a sudden he gets the Holy Spirit and he's preaching to crowds of thousands. If you're scared of public speaking, don't think that if you get the Holy Spirit, you will then preach to thousands, don't worry. <laughs> but you could, if God wanted you to. But let's look at what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. We know that he said to his disciples, wait here until you get the Holy Spirit, so we know Jesus says it's important. But this is also what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11. Jesus said, so if you, sinful if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, and just before that he was saying, if an earthly kid asks their dad, hey, dad, can I have an egg? Would the dad give the kid a scorpion? Like, no, he's going to give the kid an egg. Um, and so he's saying, if, if, if your earthly fathers are like this, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if we ask God, hey, God, please fill me with the Spirit, of course he's going to fill you with the Spirit. He's going to give you this gift of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, Jesus says, But when the Father sends the advocate, and other translations says the helper, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is Jesus' representative for us. And the Father sends him, and he's our advocate. He's our helper. And he will teach us everything and will remind us of everything Jesus has told us. The Holy Spirit is this gift that we have that gives us power. Holy Spirit is a gift that teaches us everything, reminds us of what God said. The Holy Spirit is a gift that helps us. I recently started watching all the MCU movies, the Marvel movies. I know it's been a very long time, but I started it at the beginning of this year. I'm watching it in timeline order. <laughs> and I, I got to the Guardians of the Galaxy a few weeks ago. And in that, Peter Quill, he's human. He gets abducted as a kid and goes 
to space. And when he's a, when he's a kid, his mum has just given him a gift, a birthday gift. And then he goes into space. And we, the story then kind of fast forwards to 26 years later. It's 26 years later and he still hasn't opened his birthday gift that his mum got him. It's kind of spoiler but not really. He opens the gift at the end of the movie and, and it's then the soundtrack for the next movie. But he was holding on to this gift for 26 years, never opening it, guarding it and looking after it, but never opening it. If he just opened it earlier, he could have had all this more, like, it was a, it was a mixtape. He could have had, like, all this more music, because music is a very key part of the plotline in this, in this movie. And the soundtrack is really cool. He could have had more songs, but he just didn't open it. And we can be like that. When we become a Christian, we, we make this decision to follow God, we realise that our sin is blocking us from having a relationship with God. So we repent of our sin, we turn towards God, we say, God, please forgive me. We get baptised in water and that baptism in water connects us to the death and burial of Jesus. So that going down in the water is saying we're dying of our old life and we're coming back up out of the water with a new life. And Nick talked about that last week where we have to actively take off our old sinful nature and put on our new recreated nature that God has given given us. And when we do that after that, he gives us this gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we don't use that gift, it's kind of pointless. We've been given this gift, so why don't we use it? Why don't we rely on the Holy Spirit in our lives? Even Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus, who is God, was still led by the Spirit. We can read that in Matthew chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 10, we can also read, it says this, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Even Jesus was filled with the Spirit and then started to go out and do the good work that God had planned for him. Even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus got baptised right at the beginning of his ministry. Everything we read about Jesus that happened in his three years of ministry happened after he was baptised. And what happened when Jesus was baptised? In Matthew 3, we read, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Jesus was baptized by the Holy Spirit way before, just before he started his ministry. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to do what God had planned for him. And that's Jesus. And being a Christian, part of it is wanting to be like Jesus. And if Jesus was led by the Spirit, then we need to be too. We can see the difference in Peter's life. Peter, before he got baptised with the Spirit, was scared. You know, there was one time where Jesus was telling his disciples, he was like, I'm about to die and I'm going to rise again three days later. He's literally explaining the, like, the core point of Christianity. And then Peter says to Jesus, hey, buddy, he pulls Jesus aside. Peter pulls Jesus aside. Peter pulls Jesus aside and's like, listen, don't talk about your death. It's not okay. Imagine being that wrong. <laughs> like he's being, he's, 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 think, he's, he's thinking he's doing the right thing, but he's actually just being wrong because he's being led by his own nature and what he thinks is right. But he, was, he couldn't be more wrong. 
Some, some translations say that Peter rebuked Jesus. Some translations say that he spoke sternly to. Some say that he scolded Jesus. Like, imagining doing, imagine doing that to Jesus. Peter did. Maybe you have done that. So this Peter who did that, who denied that he even knew Jesus after he was filled with the Spirit, we can see so many times where Peter's life was then filled with the Spirit and he did so many great things. He healed people. He escaped. He, God helped him to escape from prison. He preached constantly. He ended up writing two letters that ended up as scripture. Peter, this guy that before the Holy Spirit denied he knew Jesus, after the Holy Spirit, writes some letters, and now we read them 2,000 years later as scripture. What? The Holy Spirit makes a huge difference. So today I called the message Directionally Challenged. Because I think there's times in our lives where we are like Peter, before the Holy Spirit. Where we are following our own desires. Where we are following what we think is best. And sometimes we may get it right. But a lot of the times we get it wrong. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. See, our natural human nature is sinful, and often it will lead us into all sorts of wrong things. But the opposite of that is what the Spirit wants. And remember, we have been given this gift of the Spirit And notice it says here, let the Holy Spirit guide. It's not that we're given this gift and the Holy Spirit just uses us like a puppet and we go and do whatever the Holy Spirit says. No, we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us. We have to allow him to do it. We have to say, God, please use me. God, please speak to me. Holy Spirit, please lead me. Of course, the Holy Spirit is God. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Further on in Galatians, we read, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. When we become a Christian and we make that decision, we crucify our sinful natures and desires on that cross. And then since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives every part, not just the things that don't matter, or not just the things that matter, every part. We need to follow the Spirit's leading in every single part of our lives. You know, Peter, if you go and read uh, First Peter, the letter that he wrote, it's actually all about what it looks like to be a Christian and, and how to live. And he writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, he says, As a Christian, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. This verse is really confronting to me. Because it kind of puts this picture of that as a Christian, we're not going to be chasing our own desires. Because remember, we've nailed those desires and passions to the cross. They don't exist anymore. Instead, every day we need to be led by the Spirit who does the opposite of that, who wants what's good for us. And we need to be anxious to do the will of God. And I look at this verse and I go, 
Am I anxious to do the will of God? Are you anxious to do the will of God? It's a pretty confronting question, right? But here's the thing. Oh, the Holy Spirit can help us to do this. Because remember, Jesus literally called him the helper. He said, my father will send you the helper as my representative. If you're reading this verse and, and maybe you're feeling some kind of stirring within you, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you and saying, hey, I want to help you. I want to help you be anxious to do God's will. Maybe God's will seems terrifying to you, but God's will is good. God's plan is good. And the Holy Spirit wants us to just be so desperate to do God's will so that we can go out and to bring life, to make disciples of every nation. That's what God wants for us, is to be anxious to do his will. And the Holy Spirit's like, help me, use me, rely on me. That's literally my purpose. I want to come and I want to help you. Read like any character in the Bible. That's what I did for them. I want to do that for you. I came en masse to Peter, to, to Peter and the apostles and in one day Peter got up and preached and 3,000 people were saved. Nothing is impossible for the Holy Spirit. Like I said, this verse is really confronting to me. But I am anxious to do the will of God. I so desperately want to, to be a part of God's plan. So desperately want to go out and help people find Jesus, help people be led by the Spirit. And so today, I have some little things that we can all do that will help us to be led by the Spirit. Because maybe you're at this point, it's like, I want that, but how? I'm directionally challenged. How do I be led by the Spirit? And I've got a couple of things I want to share. So the first little thing that we can do to be led by the Spirit is worship. Worship is such a great way to kind of put into perspective who God is and who we are. Worship is when we tell God how great he is. We thank him for all he has done and we glorify him. We can worship through everything. We can worship through song, which if I can get the band to come now, that would be great. We can worship through song, we can worship through our actions, we can worship through our giving, and we can worship through song. When we worship through song, I think something incredible happens within us. I can't tell you the amount of times I've been in worship and I've been singing and God has spoken to me in the middle of worship. When I, when I kind of get rid of everything else and just focus on God in worship. It's happened to me when I've been in a crowd of people worshipping at church or at a conference. A few years ago, I was at a conference and uh, I was having kind of a time of life where it just was like, oh, oh I don't really know. And so I was in this conference and I, and I was worshipping and in the middle of worship, I felt God's love just surround me in a way that I've never experienced before. It was this tangible presence all around me. And my bodily response was to just sob. <laughs> It's kind of embarrassing. I was not just like a tear trickling. I was like, <laughs> because the Holy Spirit just came and, and surrounded me with God's love. And I never felt so loved before. It was like God saw me and He chose to love me. And it spoke to me in such a way that years later, I still remember it. 
I've been at my home and I've been playing worship music and I'm worshiping God just by myself at home. And then God speaks to me and he goes, Hey, Sarah, do this. Or, Hey, Sarah, I love you. Or he reveals a part of himself to me. And the Holy Spirit leads me in this time of worship to go and, and to do things or to pray for people or, or to go and tell someone something. Worship is a really great way to just kind of get our bodies and our minds in this place where we're in a sign of surrender and we're focusing on God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And when we worship Him, the Holy Spirit can then come in and be like, hey guys, come do this. Another thing, another little thing we can do is to be open. To be open. If you are closed off, you're like, no, I don't want to hear the Holy Spirit. He's not going to speak to you. If you're like, no, it's okay. He'll leave you alone. I mean, He wants to speak to you. But if you're closed off, nothing's going to happen. I mean, what's the worst that can happen if you just open up to God? I, I don't even know what is the worst that can happen. Just open up and see what happens. It's only going to be good because God is good. Open up. I say to kids all the time when we're, when we're talking about stuff like this, I, I do an analogy. Actually, I'm going to do it now. Hi, Andy. I want you to keep your hand closed for me. I'm going to give you this. Okay. That wasn't great. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a gift. We need to be open to receive it. I don't want you to open up your hand now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's simple, but it's what I do with kids to show that when we're open, we can actually receive things. If we stay closed, we're not going to receive anything. Open up. Another thing we can do is to be responsive. If you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you something, go and do what He says. Another thing I tell kids when we're talking about this is that God doesn't deal in scary stuff. And I'm not talking about stepping outside of your comfort zone if this, if it's, if, ugh. not talking about stepping outside of your comfort zone and, and that kind of scary. I'm talking about God won't give you anything that's bad. God is good. Remember, God's greatest commandment is to love God and love others. So if He tells you to do something, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting you to go and talk to someone or go and tell someone something or, or, or go and say this or go and do that, a little check that I do is make sure it aligns with God's Word. And what God says is the most important commandment is to love God and love others. And if what I feel like God is telling me to do fits within that, it fits within love, loving me, loving God, loving others, then I'll do it. Because even if it's not from God, if it's good, you should still do it anyway, yeah? And it's when we start stepping out in that faith, start being responsive, that we start to learn more and recognise more of God's voice and learn what He wants us to do. And if you're still unsure, if you feel like God is telling you to do something or the Holy Spirit is prompting you and you're like, yeah, it fits under love, but I'm still not sure, go and speak to someone who's been a Christian for a while. Speak to someone who has experienced God's voice before. You can come and speak to any of us pastors or your life group leaders or people who have been a Christian for a while and recognise His voice. And you can go and check that and they can confirm, they can talk to God and be like, yes, I believe God is telling you that. Or no, I think God's not telling you that. Maybe just sit on it for a bit. And the last little thing is daily prayer. We need to be in constant conversation with God. 
Because when we talk to God, we hear Him. That's just how it works. And the reason I put daily prayer there is because if I just put prayer, that would spell out acrostically WERP. That's not a word. Whereas daily prayer spells out word. Which brings us right back to week one when Josh was talking about how we need to read God's Word every day. And week two when Pete was talking about how the Word is Jesus and we need to be like Jesus. When we do the Word, when we worship, when we're open, where we're responsive, where we daily pray, the Holy Spirit, it opens up so many things where the Holy Spirit can lead us. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to go into a time of worship together. We're going to sing this song called Touch of Heaven. I didn't choose this song. I just kind of was like, oh yeah, could you do songs about the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit led Kylie to choose these songs that actually just encapsulate everything I was just talking about. I read last night the lyrics. I was like, whoa, God, you are so cool. Because the lyrics of the song we're about to read are all about letting God lead us that I am desperate for a touch of heaven. And as we sing these words, I want you to sing it with meaning, with gusto. I want you to open up and be responsive to what God has to say to you. I want you to forget about everyone else around you and just focus on God in this time of worship. Just focus on these lyrics. Focus on singing this song and praising God and see what happens. Because it is my prayer that the Holy Spirit right now will speak to every single person in this room. I am trusting that God has given you all this gift of the Holy Spirit and He wants us all to receive this gift and to rely on it and to use it in our daily lives, to be led by the Spirit. So if I could get us all to stand right now. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to go into this time of worship where we're going to focus on God and worship Him and receive the Holy Spirit like never before. Lord God, thank You. Thank You that You have given us this gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank You, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is our helper, is our advocate, is this person that can come and lead us every day in our lives. And Lord, I pray that You, Holy Spirit, speak to us in a way like You never have before. Lord, I pray that as we step out and grow closer to You, Lord God, that You return that step that You come close to us as well. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us here today. Whether they're watching online or whether you're here in person, I pray right now that You receive the Holy Spirit and that You hear God's voice, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. But Lord, I pray that we are a group of people who bring life to our community. And we can only do that in such a powerful way when we have You. So Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Fill us with your power and your Lord, and let us glorify you. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.